0: Today I will be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal something more significant if the past year has caused you to feel lonely powerless or without a plan or purpose there is hope the answer is right in front of you but you may need to change your perspective or shuffle your priorities to see it scripture tells us what life is all about and what might be missing in ours Something's missing in life, everything just seems out of sync. It kind of dominates our thoughts and our minds. I lost a tablet this past week. Every morning I think of new places maybe I could go and find it. It's a little thing, but that little thing has dominated a lot of my thinking this year's, this this week. And when things are out of place, it has a tendency to kind of dominate what we think about and what's on our mind. When things are out of order, out of sync, it unsettles us. We're just not complete. A little thing can take up a whole lot of thought. Christians can and should live lives where everything is in its place, in sync. Because everything can fit into God's plan for our lives. But that's a pretty big change in perspective. I mean, we have to learn a new way of thinking. One of the special things in our family is gifts from my dad. He's quite the artist and very good with work, uh, woodwork. And so for the grandkids, he has made a cradle for several of our families, And that was true in our family as well. He made a cradle out of solid walnut. You can't see it in the image there, but on every side of it, there are relief carvings of Peter Rabbit scenes. They're really quite special. But I'm not bringing you the picture so you could see the artistry work of my dad or those relief carvings. I'm bringing the picture because it's a very special picture to me. It was taken on a special occasion to show my dad something very unique. This is my baby, my youngest, on the day that my wife said this will be Hannah's last day to be able to sleep and rest during her nap in the cradle because she's getting too big. And so this is a picture of my baby girl to show you how big she is. But from a different perspective, I mean, she was a a big baby, a big healthy baby, but uh, that's not her size anymore. She's a grown lady, and there's a different perspective. Our, Our perspective in life definitely changes from then to now. And how you see the world is impacted by how you, it impacts how we live in this world. Our perspective makes all the difference. And if we're missing Christian perspective in life, then everything's out of sync. There is something major missing in our Christian walk. And so today we want to talk about and look at how we can see the world the way God wants us to see it. And how that directly impacts how we live in this world. If you want to live like the God who created made you to live, then you have to look through his eyes. Look at this world through his eyes. See it reflected in the eyes of Jesus. If you want to live like the world says you should live, just reflect on how the, what you see in this world, what you see in media, when you see what you see in the lives around you. But as Christians, we need to look different. And this sermon is a call to find the, that perspective that God calls us to have. And that begins by setting our minds on things above and not on things below. Origin does directly impact perspective. Would you agree? Where you're from impacts one's perspective. That's true of words, ideas, traditions, and even prejudices. I was on a phone call trying to fix a uh, utility in my home this last week, and was talking to the gentleman that was helping me. I I knew he wasn't in Oklahoma, but we were having a wonderful conversation. He was very helpful, and in those lags when we're waiting for the computer to do something, we just carried on a conversation. He was very friendly. And so uh, I found out he was from the Ford nation of Austin, Texas, but that's not where his origin was. He was from East Texas, uh, and I'm from southeastern Oklahoma. And if you know that area, it's just a different kind of culture. I commented to him when we first started talking how, wow, you're from East Texas, you don't have an accent. It doesn't sound like that. He said, well, I've worked on that very hard, but as I, as I, I start thinking of home, it changes. And I said, well, I'm from ida He said, yeah, I'm from Tyler, Texas. And all of a sudden, thinking of home, our language just changed a lot. When you think of where you're from, it impacts our language, our actions, and our prejudices. There was a day that came in a mom's life where her young child came and asked her that dreaded question. She wanted to answer the sex question right, so she'd practiced, she'd thought, but she didn't think it was gonna come this day. And her son comes up to her and says, Mom, where did I come from? So she takes a deep breath says, okay, I can do this, I can do this, and goes into this long explanation about where babies come from, and the birds and the bees, and thinks she's done a pretty good, good job, and at the end, she pauses, and he takes a big breath and says, okay, Johnny said he came from Kansas City. I just wondered where I came from. <laughs> I hope that each of us wonder Where we came from and the answer to that is not the conversation about the birds and the bees it goes back before that because our origin impacts our perspective and I believe I came from a creator from God and if you believe that truth it impacts your perspective Maybe you just believe it just happened. And if so, that impacts your perspective. And quite likely, some people have never even wondered about it. They never asked. They never thought about it. That also impacts your perspective. But from our text today, in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17, there are two options about perspective. There is an earthly perspective. Option below what the text will say, or above. And I'm going to be taking this lesson time to look at the above perspective. And so, if you're with us today or you're listening and you're not a believer, I'm going to be talking from a perspective of a believer. And maybe you'll take this time to consider your own walk. And maybe you want to confess Christ as Lord of your life and submit to Him in the waters of baptism and change your perspective to see things like the Creator God sees them. But today we're going to talk to those of us who are believers, who have submitted to Him in baptism, those who are living resurrected lives, created by God and saved by Christ. And that's exactly what's mentioned in verse 1 of our our text in Colossians 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We have a perspective that is not from this world. It is raised with Christ. And so we, can set, we are called to set our, our minds on things above, not to set our minds on earthly things. And that perspective on life should be seen through the eyes of Jesus, reflected in the eyes of Jesus. Earthly, we can look into the eyes of of Jesus and see how that reflected on his time in this earth and how he lived here on this earth. But that's still true today where he is seated at the right hand of God and we look through the eyes of Jesus and see that reflection of how we are to live now, currently, into this world. We have a risen perspective Paul goes on to talk about the old perspective that we had, beginning in verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. We used to reflect this world and how the world says we ought to live, and these were characteristics that we found dominated our life, a perspective from which we lived those lives. But that is to have changed. Verse, uh, verse eight. Now I'm sorry, the, the screen is wrong. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. But now there's been a change. It's not the same anymore. We're called to a new perspective, to new actions. So the old perspective is buried, and a new perspective comes out of that grave of baptism to dominate our life and to guide our lives. A new perspective is, continues in verse 9. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, in knowledge in the image of its creator... It's renewed. Now our perspective is what God made that perspective to be. We put off the old way of seeing things and looking at things, and in its place, we have a different way, a new way, a reflection of Christ. We see through the eyes of Christ, not through the eyes of the world. Verse 12, Colossians 3, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. That's the view, the perspective from above. It's these characteristics. We don't just put off that old way of thinking and go around undressed in this world, not knowing how to act, what to look like. Instead, we put on in its place these characteristics, these new clothes that dress us like our Creator. We're dressed like God. And then we're to get, that helps us to get into character. You have these, these, this is the clothing we wear, and these are the characteristics we show. Look at verses 13 and 14. Bear with each other and forgive one another If any of you want, if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That's the character. We dress like God, and we act like Him. We have His character in this world. We are forgiving people because we have been forgiven. We are loving people because we have been loved. And those characteristics then bring us together in unity, just like God is unity, just like we've been united with God. And when we dress like and act like our creator, it changes our perspective in this world. The impact of a view from above means that now peace rules our lives. Again in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. You're called to peace. For those of you who are rule followers, you know yourself and the people around you know you as well, you should love this verse. If you are a rule follower, then what God calls us to do is to let peace rule. For those of us, you, who are not rule followers, this verse speaks to you as well. You know who you are people around you know who you are as well. That word rule is an athletic term. And so let me take it, not in a Greek athletics, but let me take it to today. The one who enforces rules in a game is a referee or an umpire. And so when you're playing the game and someone fouls or there is a penalty, Things need to stop for a moment. You might agree, you might disagree, but there is a referee, an umpire, who enforces the rule. You might be mad, you might not like it, but after they enforce the rule, the game continues again, and you can get back into the game. So whether you like to follow rules or you don't like to follow rules, the game continues, life goes on. And as you start back, what should rule is peace. Peace is what gets us moving again in life, that keeps us going, that gets us up. It's a perspective that dominates, that rules our life. It decides any argument. It arbitrates any problem. It doesn't mean that we won't have friction or we won't disagree. It doesn't mean that we're doormats. It means that peace is what is going to rule our lives because our perspective is different. It's the perspective that rules, and we are called to peace. And we need to let the peace of Christ rule even in the storms of life. An impact of the view from above also brings gratitude. It means that gratitude is going to guide our lives. In Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17, I've put it on there. It's kind of small. You could probably read it all if you tried. But I highlighted the words that I wanted you to see. It talks about how we are to be thankful, to have gratitude in our hearts. We ought to give thanks, and that's what guides our lives. Our view from above, our view from a perspective of salvation, of our view in life clothed with Christ is that I can be where He is. And where's Christ, according to our text? Seated at the right hand of God. And so when you think about the storms of life and all those problems, what kind of perspective does that give you? You can be seated at the right hand of God. So don't you think gratitude can guide us through today and through tomorrow? Now, the view from below is that, uh, wait a second, God, I'm not getting much out of this bargain here. I'm a Christian, and I have problems. I've got all these things happening to me. I've got doctor's appointments this week. I've got this, i got that. This isn't much of a bargain. It's not what I counted on. And what that brings is greed and discontent. It's, it's one that calculates everything that's wrong in life. And that's a reflection of the world, not a reflection of Christ who's seated at the right hand of God. I heard a little piece by a comedian, a Christian comedian named Mark Lowry this week. It's called I Survived a Tornado. You might have seen it as well. And in it, he talks about a tornado coming. But his, his point at the end was his friends all gather at, at the lake afterwards, and they're talking, and they're telling their fish stories, and they're talking about the tornado, and they're all just adding to it. And he turns to his friends and said, I'd have about the, the event with the tornado, he said, I'd have enjoyed that a lot more if I'd known I was gonna live there are storms in life and I'm not saying that you're gonna make it through all those storms here on this earth below but we got this through the lenses of the eyes of Jesus who's seated at the right hand of God and when you put on Christ You were clothed with him, and you were put in him. And when God sees us now, he sees Christ, and we can be where he is. So let gratitude guide our lives. Another impact of the view from above is that Christ speaks through us. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. What a beautiful verse, a verse that means a lot to us in this church family. But right now, I want you to see how it applies to our lives lived reflecting Christ in this world from that perspective. We have a responsibility to share the good news of Christ, and when it dwells in our hearts, it will come out in our words and in our songs, in the melody of our life. The song of our heart is quite often a reflection of our mind. I have a little confession for you. This morning, I woke up with a song on my mind. Literally, as I walked through the doors of the building early this morning, it was still on my mind. don't have any idea why. It's an old song. Hopefully, you don't know the song, but here it is. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are going to walk all over you. But when I walk out of this building, that's not the song I want on my mind. I think it's going to be the splendor of the king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice, how great is our God. I think that's the one I want to carry with me. That's the perspective I need to carry in this world. And sometimes by Saturday night, these boots are made for walkings, what's on my mind. But brother and sister, we've been here this morning. We've allowing God to speak through us. And may we walk into this world with this melody on our hearts, on our minds, and on our lips, and our message to the world. How great is our God. We have a different perspective. So let all the earth rejoice. When our songs are based on the word of God, they will teach and admonish others to see God. Another impact of a view from above is that Christ shines in our lives. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Some people have the concept, and Satan loves it when we do this, is that there is earthly work and there's heavenly work. There is days I'm at church assembly and there's days I'm not there is secular and sacred work. And I'm here to tell you that is a reflection of the world and of Satan and not of God. From a heavenly perspective, there is no secular and sacred work, no earthly work versus heavenly work. As one, someone once said, whether you're cleaning toilets or teaching children, it's all the work of God. And Satan tries to convince us, I think, as Christians, That we need to to do things as best we can on our own. There's that old saying, what is it? God helps those who help themselves. Something like that line. In other words, for many of us what that means is I'm going to do the best I can do, God. And when I've done the best I can do and I can't do it anymore, then I'll call you in. I'll tag in on you. Come on, that's it. I'm down. Fix to go out, join in the struggle. And that is not from God. As Christians, God does not want you to try harder. He wants you just to depend on Him, to have a perspective of today and tomorrow that is relying on Him. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all to the glory of God. And give thanks to God the Father through Jesus. And you can do that because where is Christ? Seated at the right hand of God. And where are you? As a Christian, you're in Christ. So you can whisper it. God can hear it. Well, I want to get real for just in the last few minutes of our message about the reality of living in this world with its challenges. Many of you know that uh, for many years, this church family was a part of a spring break mission trip to Mexico. And who knows, Lord willing, maybe someday we'll be able to bring that trip back. It was a real blessing in many of our lives. And there's many life lessons that I learned In the early years, we had to borrow vehicles and the roads in Mexico were not near what they should be. And on the screen, what you see is in 1991, I think it was our second or third year to go to Mexico, is our convoy. We've had convoys as many as 25 vans, so you can tell this was early on in our trips. All borrowed vehicles, which means we went to churches and asked if we could borrow a vehicle and they looked out in their parking lot and if they saw an old van that wasn't worth anything, they said, yeah, you can take that one to Mexico. But that new one, no, it's not going there. This is at the bottom of the mountain pass. The old kind of mountain pass, Independence Pass. They've actually built a new pass in Mexico now through those mountains. But this was the kind with the S-curves where it's two cars can't pass at times. And as we had to come to, th- go through the mountains and come down the mountains, oftentimes we got behind these big fruit trucks that were carrying two trailers with them in granny low or, or in super low gear. I mean, super low gear so that they could get down the mountains. I mean, we're talking just a couple of miles an hour slow. And so this year, in our convoy, that's me driving the front one with that trailer, which is overloaded, trying to get everything down there, we got behind a, one of those trucks in Granny Loan. And I want you to know, a van in first gear does not go that slow. But there was no, I couldn't see to pass. There was no way to get around, because the, the S-curves. There was, And so... The only thing I could do was put it in low And ride the brakes And we almost made it down the mountains But thanks to God We were able to stop that van right there On the side of the road That was it, that's all those brakes had They were gone it, They were ghosts They were out of there, you couldn't find them But we got it in park put on the, And we got it stopped And blocked the wheels And waited for them to uh, cool down And we were able to move on from there Later we learned our lesson don't let that happen anymore. Instead of the vehicle that's the heaviest and the slowest and the hardest letting guide so everybody else you know, they would follow at that, that vehicle's speed, we put the fastest, most nimble vehicle out front. And then when we hit those mountains, we could call back on our CB and say, slow it down, we got a slow one up here. Start slowing it down. And that first vehicle would look for a spot where they could pass that slow-moving semi. And once they were were around, the other vehicle would come up and when they saw a gap, because that vehicle was around the corner and could see what that other vehicle couldn't see, they would say, it's safe for you to pass. I got this. I'm around the corner. There's plenty of room. You can pass safely. And using that technique, we were able to get our convoys through those mountains quite safely from then on. Until they got really long. And people started forgetting who was calling them around. We had to change it and say, you always say, this is Kent, and I'm telling you, Kirk, you can come around. You Because know, I didn't want to tell somebody back, Van 15, that they were safe because they were way back up the mountain. I had no idea where they were. I didn't want them to cause, be caused to have an, an accident. As we face life, you might feel like <laughs> you've had the brakes on so long that you've got nothing left. And maybe this morning is your time on the side of the road to pause and to reflect and to get re-energized. And if so, I want you to know that from God's perspective, He's telling you, you got this. He can see what we can't see. He sees around the corner. And so we got this thing. We can make it. When the life, tri- when this life tries to slow us down and stop us in our tracks... God says, we got this. Come on. It's safe to come around. Because the difference is, we see what is unseen by others. Verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. When you look around these days in this world, Paul is saying... You might lose heart. Because what do you see? We're wasting away. We can't do this thing. But what is unseen is, not, is what's not in the mirror. What the doctor can't tell you at the doctor's office. What is unseen is what's happening inside, which is reflected through the eyes of Christ, who's at the right hand of God, where you are. We got this. And inwardly, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly that view, that perspective renews us day by day. It renews us. Therefore, verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What's seen? The troubles that are weighing us down. What's unseen? But what can be seen through the eyes of Jesus is their light, their momentary and they're achieving for us an eternal glory in the presence of God that far outweighs them all. Brendan and I learned a new rule about praying this week. We learned it from our oldest grandson. He told his grand this new rule about when one prays. And here's the rule the one who says the prayer can have their eyes open. Didn't know the rule, but okay. Don't know if he learned it at Sunshine School or just made it up himself. But the one who says the prayer can have his eyes open. One of the things I appreciate about children when they pray is I think their eyes are open. Dear God, thank you for that sign. Thank you for my dog. Thank you for these green beans. No, not the green beans. Thank you for the uh, ketchup. They have their eyes wide open when they pray. Now, there's nothing wrong with closing your eyes when you pray. It helps us focus. It takes the distractions of this world and helps us see God and think about God. But I also think God wants us to open our eyes when we're talking to him and allow him to speak into what we see, to have a new perspective. And what is missing too often these days in the lives of believers is perspective. As a congregation, we, as a family of faith, what are we going to focus on? What are you going to focus on? Will we open our eyes to what is unseen so that we can have a new perspective on what is seen? May we not be a people with a missing perspective. Instead, may we be a focused people guided by a loving creator and a caring savior. May we be a people who found perspective. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Read it out loud with me. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is temporary. May we be a people, of focused perspective. A couple of things I want to leave you with that kind of challenge you to take God's message that he's given to us today into your lives and into this week. The first one is on, you'll note, notice that we've started these sermon discussions. On our YouTube channel, there is a brief message talking a little bit about perspective in our message today. Maybe you could set aside some time this evening, or sometime during this week, to gather some people into your home, or those that are in your home, and just listen to that discussion video, and then there's a guide that's listed right there in YouTube, on the YouTube page as well, and talk about that guide. It'll be posted on our YouTube page at noon today. And for those of you who are at home today, I want you to know that we pray, we're praying that God touched your hearts. And we'd love to hear from you We've tried to make it easy And so you'll notice on our website That there's a prayer page If you'd go there And uh, let us know what's on your heart We'll be watching that, looking at it We'd love to be praying for your concerns And to reach out to you if we need to And I hope some of you are deciding That you want to live lives from a heavenly perspective That you want to submit your lives to God In the waters of baptism And live a raised life, a resurrected life Won't you confess Christ as Lord? And that's true of those of us who are here today. We're going to sing the song, I Am Resolved. Part of that song means that if you've been putting off giving your life to Christ, don't, don't put it off any longer. Won't you right now confess Christ as Lord of your life? Bury the old way and be raised to walk that new life in the waters of baptism. Maybe you need to respond and ask for prayers. We'd love to pray for you right now. Maybe you just need to spend time reflecting on your own life. May we be a focused people of God. Let's stand and sing.